Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C Mac attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, luminary, and tune in. You can also find us at believe.com and at believe podcasts on Twitter. And welcome back to a brand new edition of the believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson joined by sports illustrated Skylar Callahan and uh, yet again, we're on a, a terrible Tuesday. Panthers uh, falling to the Atlanta Falcons on the road. Uh, Twenty was it? Twenty eight, twenty one. I believe no. Twenty nine, twenty one. Twenty nine, twenty one. They lost by possession, um, and the score didn't really indicate how uh, discombobulated this Panther team is. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll get into that in just a bit. First, though, uh, a word from one of our sponsors at Bet Online. Back and better than ever, a new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more uh, props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. For basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That is bet online where the game starts. Um, another rough outing here as I pull up the box score here. Uh, Skylar, I believe you were actually at Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, covering the game. Give me your initial thoughts walking out of the press box after uh, after that loss that dropped the Panthers to five and eight. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to really – have a a single take about it because there's just so much that goes into it. I mean, this was a must-win game. We talked about it last week. And if they wanted to have any chance of keeping their playoff hopes alive, they could not afford to lose this game. And I think really when you look at it, I mean, they're without their best offensive player, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, that that's a big loss. You you lose Dante Jackson for the season. You knew coming into this game that you're going to be down multiple starters in the offensive line. Yet it, it didn't really seem like the the Panthers were necessarily out of it, I would say, like in terms of the score. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, in terms of how the game was going, it just it felt like it was completely one-sided in favor of Atlanta, and that was because of the turnovers. And the turnovers gave them a great field position. It, it gave pa- the Car- uh, Carolina Panthers horrible field position, and – I just feel like the the defense, even though, again, they didn't play particularly well, it, it's so hard to blame the defense for any of this because they, they're constantly having to defend half of a field. When you only have yeah. half of a field to defend, I mean, you're essentially at one first down, you're in field goal range. So I, I think it's hard to place much blame on them. Offensively, I'll say this. I thought Jeff Nixon did a really good job. Of, I did too. Of, of getting some some momentum early on in the game, had great tempo. And as, as we ca- said last week, you in particular said, use some more RPO. And I said it, it could happen because he did it at Baylor. And it worked. It worked a lot. But the one thing that, that didn't happen was the execution. 
there was a lot of drop balls. There was bad, like a few bad throws, not good protections, not very good runs. But I don't think you can place the blame on Jeff Nixon for this because I thought he did a tremendous job of, of putting these guys in position to make plays. But again, there's there's always the, the blame always goes on the coaches at the end of the day. But when you see what happened on Sunday offensively, I don't think you can blame Jeff Nixon. I don't think you can blame Matt Rule or anybody that has anything to do with the offense except for the people that were on the field because they just didn't execute. Yeah, I you know I totally agree. Uh, I was very happy with Jeff Nixon's play calling. It felt completely different than the previous weeks with Joe Brady, where you kind of knew seventy five percent of the time they were going to line up and pass the football. Uh, I was very pleased the opening drive of the first ha- first quarter and the opening drive of the third quarter, uh, where they drove down and scored a touchdown uh, with Cam under center, and Cam looked comfortable in those two drives. Like he looked like he kind of knew where he was going, what they were doing. They kind of took the cover off of him to let him run a little bit. Um, and it, it was almost like Atlanta wasn't expecting it in the first quarter. Like, they weren't expecting him to run the football. But uh, for me, I'm kind of a, well, duh, type of uh, <laughs> guy when it comes to, hey, you got Cam Newton. What should you do with him? Why don't you put him in the, the the system that got him drafted number one overall in the first place, and that's a run-pass option. Why don't you just, you know, stick him in there and see what happens? And that looks like what they did. Uh, looking at the box score, uh, Newton and PJ Walker both threw two inter- Well, they both threw an interception apiece. And uh, if there's anyone still out there that believes PJ Walker isn't getting a fair shake and should be the starter of this football team, please go to the uh, the uh, the highlights of this game and see the three the three plays that he had in the second uh, quarter when they brought him in and understand why he's not the starter. Like we were talking about this, we're not we're not really sure why he's on the roster. Like he's not he's not adequate enough to be the backup, in my opinion. No. Um, and, it, and it showed. And, you know, it was funny to me, the media went nuts when Cam got uh, sat for PJ in the first half. But me and you, we both kind of knew through the week that they were going to use both quarterbacks. So it wasn't like Cam yeah. got benched. Uh, and then they had to kind of retract. I, I, my Twitter was going crazy on Sunday because then it was like uh, Cam Newton benched for PJ Walker. And then like as soon as halftime was over, Cam Newton back in the game. And I was like, that's what the plan was. <laughs> like, he was never going to be. <laughs> when, when, I saw my phone, when I saw my phone light up like 10 times from all these people tweeting and, and saying that he got benched, I'm like, this is this is exactly why there's so many bad narratives, not only around the Panthers, but the NFL, because you don't like there's some of these 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 reporters from, you know, the national you know side of things that aren't in these press conferences every day. Listen to mm-hmm. everything that happens. And they go and just say, oh, he's benched. Well, if you listen to any of Matt Rule all week, he had said there the plan was to potentially play P.J. Walker some. He just didn't know when. But we all knew the end of half, end of game, was probably going to be P.J. Walker because he has that knowledge that Cam Newton doesn't have of the two-minute offense. So right, I have no right. idea why that got – how that got started. I think I have an idea, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to <laughs> I mean, I will say this, though, that bothered me when they brought PJ in, because I'm like, okay, if you're trying to get Cam acclimated to this, and obviously, this is one of these situations where he's coming into a tough situation to begin with, like, there's just no way around it. There's no way to kind of sugarcoat it. He came in off the street hot, like after like week 10 or 11, got thrown into the fire. Uh, There's really no veteran QB in the room to kind of school him on the book other than PJ Walker. So he's learning this from him. Uh, Stays for the bye week. The offensive coordinator gets let go. 
And now you're expecting Cam Newton to go out there and lead you to win behind a turnstile offensive line that literally lets guys just run unabated into the backfield for some reason. I don't know why they refuse to put Brady Christensen at left tackle. I don't know why they refuse to put Deontay Brown at his natural position. Like, I just don't understand what they're doing with the offensive line for what they have. And to me, I see people going, you know, spend the whole draft on offensive line like you did on defense. I'm like, even if they do that, I'm not too sure I'm confident in the staff to do the right thing with the offensive line because they've had two years now just to put together a patchwork offensive line and it's blown up in their face. And really, honestly, that's the tale of this year's Panthers. Like if, if these Panthers will not make the playoffs because the offensive line let them down, whether injury, uh, just not living up to subpar expectations, like you can't get anything established. Like there's there's no identity for the offense because the offensive line is just a hot mess. And I don't think you can fix it in season. So because of that, it's going to make Cam look worse. It's going to make P.J. Walker look worse. It's going to make uh, Matt Rule and the whole offense look worse, you know, by design. But one of the bright spots was Jeff Nixon and his play calling. Uh, again, 29-21, you take away the three turnovers, the two interceptions and the fumble where uh, Elfin steps on Cam's foot uh, as he's trying to hand the ball off. He should have he should have kept the ball, yes. But uh, – take those three turnovers away in those short fields. And this is probably a different game. And I feel like that's kind of the story of this Panthers team. When we go back and look at losses, it's always like a man. If you took away the, the blocked punt versus the Eagles, they probably win that game. Or if you take away the long run versus the giants, then they probably win that game. It's always like something they haven't been able to piece together a full complete game, except for maybe the Arizona game uh, when Cam first got back. And I'm just thinking back on these other games, because even the first three games, they were still kind of uneven and they kind of held on against lackluster team, the Jets, the Texans. I, I just I, I don't know what to do with this football team. They're five and eight. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. I have no reason to believe they're going to win a game over the next four weeks based off of what they've been doing. And they won't be blowouts either. That's the frustrating part about it. I feel like they'll lose each of the next four weeks, <laughs> but it'll be frustratingly uh, close each of the next four weeks. And they'll finish out you know, five and 12 or whatever and uh, and draft Kenny Pickett or something and <laughs> keep Cam here and Sam Darnold and just have them all go against each other in training camp. It'll just be a hot mess next year. Like, I, I don't know what to do with this team. That's kind of where I left this football game. Yeah, I think when you look at the the entire situation in terms of how these games have kind of panned out, I mean – yeah, you probably should have beat the uh, the Eagles. I mean that that's that's a game that we knew the moment it happened. That was one they 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 should not have let slipped away because it was going to hurt them later on. But we also didn't know at the time that they would go on that slide that they that they're currently on. So they should have won that game. I think if they just showed up against the Vikings, they probably win that game. I mean, mm -hmm. they just didn't show up until the final like what four minutes or so of the fourth quarter. So. You know, um, it's, it's frustrating. It, yeah, it's, it's frustrating watching them do this every week where this should, you know, I was talking to, I have a couple of buddies that joke around me a lot because they're, they're not Panther fans. They're like uh, Washington fans or Eagles fans or whatever it might be, but they, they love to joke about Cam Newton, how he dresses, blah, blah, blah. And they love to pile into the Panthers. And I was talking to one of them and I'm like, you know, honestly, this team is five and eight, but really they should be like, like eight and five, nine and four. If you go down the list of teams they lost to, like the only losses that I really see that where they just got beat down, the Cowboys loss, the Giants, uh, 
the Giants, and the Patriots. Yeah. And those are those are two playoff teams. Hell, the Patriots and Cowboys might see each other in the Super Bowl. And uh, you know, the Giants, I have no idea what happened in that game. That was just I think that was the the anomaly. Uh, yeah, that was the one where Sam Darnold just lost it. Like he just literally we didn't know what was going on. Um, but these other ones, like against Washington, 27-21. The Dolphins, yes, it's 33 to 10, but we talked about this before. It didn't really feel like it was a blowout or anything until you know they piled on to the very end, but that game was still well within reach for three quarters. And then the Falcons on Sunday, uh, 29-21. These were one possession losses here. Um, it's just the margin of, of error is so small in the NFL. Everyone, it feels like everyone is like a 500 team except for like five. Yeah. Like, you know, everyone's kind of floating right there at 500. And I mean, Matt Rule said this on Monday that, you know, that they've had five games where they've turned the ball over three times. That's going to lose you a ton of games. And when you do that, I think he said the stat was you have like a 7% chance of winning. So, I mean, to me, what that tells me is, okay, so if you eliminate the turnovers, like you said, they're probably 8-5, and 9-4. and four. So how do you eliminate the turnovers? Well, most of it is off of interceptions. So yeah. that, that just tells me right there, okay, if they go out and get a Deshaun Watson or – Maybe I don't even know Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody, someone that won't turn the ball over and yeah. can hand it off. <laughs> if, if they can go do that this off season, I have no reason to believe that this team can't be competitive next year. I mean, yeah. they're already competitive; they just don't have the thing that gets them over the top. Last year, they just couldn't complete the end of games because Teddy Bridgewater just wasn't that type of dude. They could go win you a game. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's they 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 kind of find themselves in similar situations but it's the, the turnovers are what key are, are is what holding is what holding is what is holding this team back from even being able to have a chance to win the game at the end so i think if you go out and get that quarterback they, they there's no doubt about it Matt rule knows that for this team to have any chance of success next year they have to make a change of quarterback and they have to address the offensive line there's no way around it they've already done the, the stuff on the defense side of the ball to make them better. I don't think he's going to let this offseason go without addressing those two needs. That's why, again, I, I've solely been – I wouldn't – it might sound like I'm coming off as uh, I'm defending Matt Rule, but it's more like I just want to wait and see what he's really going to do before I make a judgment. Because if you look at the past, year three is his turnaround. So if you knew that coming into hiring this guy – and and David Tepper, and you gave him a seven-year deal, you didn't hire him to a seven-year deal because you knew he was going to have a lot of success and some other team was going to try and poach him away. You knew it was going to take time, and not only that, but you can't fire a guy knowing that year three is his turnaround and fire him in year two. I, I just don't think it makes any sense. That's an excellent point. Actually, great segue. I went, and, I went back in time to uh, January 2020, uh, after David Tepper had hired Matt Rule away from Baylor, because I think a lot of the fan base either never heard this or forgot that this happened uh, in terms of what Tepper, because Tepper described everything you just said. He basically laid it out there, and I have zero reason to believe after two years, especially where the first year was COVID, COVID. <laughs> there was no fans. The, the, the coaching staff didn't even see the players until until July for the first time. Like it was just a impossible situation to deal with. 
And for them to win five games in that situation was pretty impressive, in my opinion, because the, the, the defense was horrible last year. Like you literally they couldn't stop anyone. And for them to flip this in a year to a respectable defense and a young defense is going to be together for at least two or three seasons, like pretty much on rookie deals. I, 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 that'll look much better in hindsight than it does currently right now, because I think people think the defense is horrible and yada, yada, yada. But like you said at the very beginning, they're playing on short fields, like for the most part over the past couple of weeks. It's like you give them a turnover at the 40 and you're praying that they can hold them for a field goal. I mean, that's not really a great way to play defense, you know? Yeah. Let me run this clip real quick. This is a uh, Panthers owner, David Tepper on hiring Matt rule uh, in 2020. Um, I understand that it takes time to build things up. You have to do a little breaking down before you can build them up. Um, we have a great opportunity right now um, in this building to you know, start anew. And, and, and I think Matt appreciated that. And, you know, some of the things we'll bring in here as far as, uh, you know, again, I'm just going to quote what Matt was saying, uh, you know, process management, sports science. And you guys got to appreciate the process management that's been going on, on the business side. Okay. And just get every, how these things happen so fast in Charlotte recently okay this is now i'm not going to say this is going to happen that fast on the on the football side it takes time you got to develop players but this is a master developer of men okay and i think that we can we can have something special here something just a little bit different so i mean he kind of laid out the fact that you know why he hired him the reason uh, why, and it was going to take some time. Like they literally cleared out the roster when he got there and started building piece by piece. So, uh, you know, five and eight, fourth in the NFC, they've been competitive throughout. Uh, I'm very glad we we decided to start doing this on Tuesdays instead of Mondays, because if it was Monday, <laughs> I would still be very emotional about what I saw and I wouldn't be able to separate fact from fiction. And I think getting the extra day and then after hearing the press conferences and then coming in on Tuesday and doing it, it gives a little bit more clarity as to what's going on. Do I wish they were winning these games? Yes. Do I think that they would have got far in the playoffs if they got there? No, I do not. I think they would have probably been a first round exit the way uh, the offense is currently constructed. Uh, do I think that Matt Rule will be here next year? Absolutely. I have no reason to believe that. Uh, he will not be here as head coach based off of everything you just said. You don't give a guy a seven-year deal knowing that it takes him about three years from his track record to flip things around and then fire him in year two. Like, that's just not what guys worth $14 billion do. They're not that impatient in terms of wanting to see results, uh, especially if you're a hedge fund manager. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of, you're kind of, it's ingrained in you to kind of wait and see things out a little bit, right? And not be impulsive. So, this whole Matt rule needs to go thing. I'm not really sure where that part's coming from. Cause he's not going anywhere. No, I mean, like you said, you can't, you can't fire a guy a year, the, the year, I guess he would be going into the year he's supposed to make it turn around. Now, if we get to next year and it's the same thing, then everyone that has these, these, these uh, aspirations or hopes that they fire him, they have every right to be mad. I hundred percent understand that. I just, like I've said a, a million times on Twitter and all on through my articles and even on here, I don't, it's, I just don't have an opinion yet because he doesn't have the full compliment that I would say even Ron Rivera had in his first two years. I, I tweeted something out last night about it. 
like Ron Rivera in his first two years, he already had a franchise quarterback. He had Cam Newton. Now, granted, mm-hmm. it was early in his career as his first two years, but they already had that position solidified. They already had uh, Gross at left tackle. They had Steve Smith. They had Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis. I mean, they were they had the pieces to legitimately contend, and yet they were kind of in that same lull of you know six seven wins. And no, I don't I don't remember that far back, but I don't really remember people griping on Ron Rivera. And I, I get that the diff, the situations are a little different. You know, Rule has a little bit more control on the roster and stuff. And I think that's kind of where everyone's frustration is stemming from is they keep saying, yeah, well, he's had two off seasons to, to figure out a quarterback and bring and build an offensive line, and this is what we've got. Yes, but, again, like I mentioned, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago, it's not like they haven't tried. Like, they wanted Deshaun Watson before that all, all that stuff came out. Right. They tried to get Matthew Stafford, and he denied it. So Darnold was their best option. They weren't going to bring back Teddy Bridgewater, not – why why bring back Teddy Bridgewater? He's he's getting older. He's not going to get any better. You didn't know if Sam Darnold was going to flip a switch because he's still so young. Why not take a chance? And I mean, yes, the three draft picks hurt 100%, but it's a in this business you have to be willing to gamble to get that answer solidified at the quarterback spot. They gambled, it didn't work out. Now guess what? You reset, you got to go figure it out again this offseason. I just don't understand why Everyone has been so impatient with this thing. Like, it's not like he stepped into a situation that was ready to win right now. 10, 11 wins a year. It just wasn't built like that. And this is what a rebuild is like. It's not – and I'll say this for people that are really upset or don't like what I'm saying. Look at Jacksonville. Okay, look at the New York Jets over the last four or five years. Those situations are far worse and had much worse football than what the Panthers are putting out there. And I get the Panthers and them all play great football, but it seems like this team is much further ahead than where the Jacksonville Jaguars are now and where the Jets were a few years ago. Yeah. You know, I was thinking back on that too, because you got, you got to think about where the Panthers were in 2019. You know, they basically oh, was the end of the Ron Rivera era. Everything bottomed out. Uh, Cam Newton didn't play a, a snap in the regular season because of injury. Uh, it just – there was no – there was no future. Really. I mean, like we, everything that had been built all the way up to the 2015 Super Bowl run had slowly started to deteriorate after that year until you got to 2019. So when, uh, you know, when, when rule brings in his folks and, and they come in here, they're literally looking at a, a, a burnt down house with like a foundation still there. And you're having to clear it all out and try to build off of that foundation again. And that's, that takes time. I mean, and I'm patient enough to sit here and wait for it because I feel like David Tepper is patient enough to sustain it um, once it's up and going. I did clip one more clip from uh, David Tepper from twenty from January 2020, uh, continuing to talk about Matt Rule and the new Rock Hill facility that he's building here. And I thought it was just really interesting how he how he phrased this here. Look now, now think about this now. Now you got a different situation. We're going to build the best facility down in Rock Hill pretty soon. The best facility down here in Rock Hill. We got there's I heard the owner of this club has some resources to use. Okay, a couple a couple resources to use. And we're gonna use those resources to build the best darn thing we can build. And so we got a master developer with a with, that never had the resources before that's showing that he can do it with less. What do you think he can do with more? I thought that was very interesting that yeah. he laid it out that way that you know he laid out why he hired him, 
that they had done extensive research on these coaches before they hired him. So it wasn't a spur of the moment type thing for them to offer Matt Rule. Like they knew exactly what they were getting when they brought him in. And I think in a way, Matt Rule understands his job isn't in jeopardy. I don't catch a vibe from Matt Rule at all that his job is in jeopardy, that this was kind of expected. Uh, and if anything, they might be overshooting the expectations of what the team had uh, in terms of where they are. Like if they hadn't started 3-0, and none of this would be – we would just be looking at this as, you know, it's a rebuild. They're, they're rebuilding. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have McCaffrey, yet they're still 5-8 and eight and mathematically still in the playoff picture. That's – that's okay. I mean, that's that's all right, considering the circumstances. Now, if it was uh, they did have a quarterback and they did have McCaffrey and they were losing games like this, that then I think you can look at rule and be like, okay, what's going on? Like, why, why is this happening? The offensive line is stout. You've got a top three running back back there. You got a, you got a quarterback that's not turning the ball over, yet we're still five and eight and losing these one possession games. That's different than what this is. This is almost like they're outgunned and you can kind of see it by the third and fourth quarter. The defense is gassed. The offense can't score because they're, they're, they're lacking certain things on it. And it just adds up to a bad equation for them every time out. It feels like, and uh, you almost have to hope the other team has injuries or kids not playing or something for them to have a shot, which might happen uh, Sunday versus the bills. Cause Josh Allen's on a walking boot. And uh, yeah, I think one of his receivers is injured too. So uh, you know, because of the Josh Allen that played last Sunday against the Bucks shows up uh, this Sunday, we're going to lose by 20 points because <laughs> Allen was balling out in that game. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, at the beginning of the, the end of the weekend, I was like, fire Matt Rule, just like Twitter. Every every Sunday, Matt Rule is, is trending <laughs> on Twitter. And it's never good when you're a coach is trending on tr- on Twitter because it's never for a good thing. It's never for a good reason. And every time I click it and it's usually like hashtag fire Matt rule or something like that. Like just not boom, 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 like all the way down the timeline. It's just like fire rule. Why is rule here? Uh, get rid of Tepper too. And I'm like, what did David Tepper do? <laughs> David, I see that so much. It's like, Oh, David Tepper's a horrible owner. I'm like, is he like, what, what did he do? That's so terrible. Like people just turn on a flip of a dime. So it's, you know, in today's world, it's so crazy to me how people can just all of a sudden be like, throw them all out. You know, who who are they going to get? That's my question. If you yeah. fire Matt Rule today, who are you hiring? Well, what coach is going to come in here and do any better with this roster as it's currently constructed? Yeah. I mean, like, let's be honest. You could bring in Andy Reid. You could bring in Sean McVay. You could bring in – I'm not going to say Bill Belichick because, I mean, that's just – you can bring in any of those types of guys, and if they have this roster, it's probably going to be the same. I mean, let's yeah. be honest, they may win another game or so, but like they're not going to be a playoff team. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of the situation. They're not built to be a playoff team, and I cannot get over Desmond. I've seen so many people tweet this, and so many people tweet at me and say, this isn't a rebuild. You can't call it a rebuild when you make the moves that they made. How is it a rebuild? Or how is it not a rebuild? Because just because you bring in a 32-year-old Cam Newton that hadn't played a lick of football since, what, August, and 31-year-old cornerback Stephon Gilmore who hadn't played a game since 2019, how is that win-now moves? That's not win-now moves. Those are moves to make the team better. They, they made the, the the Gilmore move because they found out that he became available and they only had to give up a six-round pick for him. 
Would you not want to go great move? Yeah, yeah how, he was the, how, the defensive player of the year in 2019. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, why would you not do that? <laughs> how could you pass that up for a day three pick? That 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 six round pick is not is more than likely not going to even matter. So mm-hmm. why would you not do that? The the CJ Henderson trade, I get people were a little upset because Dan Arnold started doing good things before he got hurt, but CJ Henderson is a young guy, a guy that was a top 10 pick last year that is going to be able to come in and potentially, maybe not right away, but like eventually grow with this defense and be a good starter because Dante Jackson's a free agent. We don't know after the end of the season. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what Stephon Gilmore's going to do. It was a nice move by them to get some guy, somebody that has some some youth to him and can still play, develop. I like the deal for C.J. Henderson. Cam Newton was, I mean, let's be honest, Sam Darnold was supposedly hurt extensively and – they what were they going to do? Let PJ Walker go out there? I mean, with Cam Newton on the shelf you know, or out on the market, you it, it would be foolish to, to even as the Panthers just sit there and say, "Ah, oh, we don't need Cam." Like mm-hmm. there mean, was no other better quarterback that no. was available. Are we going to go pluck Philip Rivers off of whatever high school <laughs> yeah, exactly. and just throw him in there? Like, I mean, what are, what are we doing here? Like, everyone's yeah. acting like there was these guys that were just sitting on couches that they could have had, but no, they had to. They had to go get Cam Newton because David Tepper cares about ticket sales and this is going to sell tickets and they don't care about winning because Cam is washed and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, who's left out there that they could have got at quarterback? If anything, it shows me how upset they were with Sam Darnold. And his oh, play. yeah. I you mean, know, it just snowballed to the point where, like, well, they just threw their hands out. They're like, you know what? We're just going to bring Cam Newton back. Like, <laughs> that's literally. <laughs> and it even goes back to last year in free agency. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, Matt Rule's first. First idea was he got inside Cam Irving and Pat Offline. Well, let's be honest. Was there really any other, like, big time offensive lineman that was going to come in here in this free agent, in this past free agency that was going to make a difference? I mean, yeah. it, th- those things, those guys don't pop up in free agency because they get locked into their deals. You have to. Exactly. Um, draft that position no one's going to trade them no they're not going to let them hit free agency more often than not you have to draft those guys so i don't know i mean the, the brady christensen thing that that could be up for debate i i don't really think i me personally i don't think he's a left tackle and that's not just because that's you know what rule is straight away from i just don't think he's a left tackle in the nfl we've seen it before and Many, many times when guys don't have the long arms and everyone says, well, what's three inches, three quarters of an arm make? I mean, every little bit counts. It, it really, really does. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, to me, it just it just baffles me when people look at when Matt Rule was hired, looked at the situation and immediately thought, you know what? They're going to be a playoff team in 2021. How, how do you get that? I mean, they didn't even know who their quarterback was going to be. For a while, it was going to, could it be Kyle Allen? I mean, before mm-hmm. they came to Washington? I mean, it's just there was no way this team was going to be in the playoffs by 2021. Before the season, you and I both said that this was going to be a potentially a top-10 defensive unit, and the offense was going to struggle, and the defense was going to carry them. That's exactly what's happened. Yep, so and I, they've gotten tired on a lot the back yeah. end of these, which has led to these one-possession losses where – uh, they just either they can't stop the run game because they've just been worn out or they're playing catch up and run out of time due to quarterback play and the offense. And you can't shuffle the offensive line around as many times as they've had this year and expect results like they've had so no. many different starting combinations at offensive line. It's ridiculous. Uh, I think it's nine the, or ten. 
Yeah, out of what? How many games now? 13? So, I yeah. mean, it, it, the, look at the teams that do well in the NFL every year. Typically, they're starting the same unit pretty much every week, and they're and they're injury-free for the most part, you know, knock on wood. So those are the ones. In the 2015 Panthers, they pretty much had the same offensive line throughout that entire season, and it showed. The good teams have great offensive line play. So we, we knew going into this year the offensive line was going to be uh, patchwork, but I think both of us were kind of okay with the idea of it was almost like they sat in a room and were like, okay, we can either fix the offensive line in one fell swoop, or we can fix the defense in one fell swoop. Which one, which one can we fix that will actually lead to us winning more games faster? And it's like they sat down and was like, you know what? Let's focus on the defense, get that to the point where we can stop people, and we'll circle back around to the offensive line once we know who's going to be standing behind it. Because I yeah. think that's kind of what's happening here. It's hard to build an offensive line if you don't have a quarterback. I, I always see people say the other way around that, hey, we need to work on offensive line first and this and that. Yeah, well, those guys need to know who they're protecting. You can't just keep throwing guys behind a great offensive line or they won't be a great offensive line anymore. Like they they won't be able to uh, know the tendencies of the guy that they're protecting uh, his back. And you almost have to do it at the same time, really. And And you can't have a great quarterback and have – or I mean, you can have a great offensive line and have a terrible quarterback. That that does you nothing. So I mean, yeah, that's your same position that you're in. You know, the other way. So especially if you don't want to run the football, <laughs> if you don't want to run the ball, then where are we? What are we doing? So it's almost like um, it's almost like Matt Rule knows what he wants the team to be, and he's mentioned it before. Time. Yeah, it's just, it's just going to take time. He wants them to be a very physical, smart football team that doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, they they stop the run. They run the football more than they throw it, uh, kind of possession-oriented. It Honestly, it sounds like John Fox and Ron Rivera. That's yeah. literally what their philosophy was. Stop the ball, run the football, play tough nose, don't let anybody come in here and push you around, have an identity, play smart, play together, and don't think one guy has to do everything. It, that's literally John Fox and Ron Rivera's MO. It's kind of their whole thing. And – uh I think Matt Rule's trying to get there. He just hadn't been very vocal about it until recently, what he wanted from out of this team. Um, let me ask you this. Do you think that the team has started to tune him out? Because I was worried about that. But on the other hand, he's got guys in here from Baylor and Temple that play for him, which might be part of the reason why they're here, because they know the process and would be less likely to tune him out. Do you catch that sense from the team? Because I'm not really catching that. I just feel like no. they're just catching bad breaks. Yeah, they. I don't sense that at all. And and he he reiterated this. I think after the game Sunday, and even again on Monday, that effort has never been a problem with this team. They are playing with one hundred percent effort every single snap of the game. And I mean, you talk, you hear, you hear from them throughout the week. Almost almost every week, they're having really good practices, like really really good practices. To to be a good football team, you have to practice well. Like I mean. You can't go through the motions. You can't have terrible weeks of practice and expect to be a good football team on Sunday. So I think it starts in practice and then it carries over. But again, when the lights come on, there's a whole different scenario that pops up. So they've just got to get that to translate to Sunday. It's going to happen. But again, you you can't expect it to happen when you don't have the pieces to work with. I mean, I, I just I, I don't sense that there's a, a, a low buy-in. I don't sense that there's a lack of effort. I don't sense that there's a lack of trust in what this process is. I mean, if you just flip flip on the tape, you see it. Like it's just it's just gonna take getting the right guys in here 
to make this thing really go. And, and I'll say this a hundred times over, Matt Rule could lose these last four games of the year, and he still is, he's still not going to get fired. I'll go on record. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But there's I just don't see how David Tepper's going to pull the trigger, even if he loses every single game the rest of the season. Just it just, it will not happen. Kind of has a built-in excuse if they lose every game this season. I mean, he doesn't have his best overall player again. Uh, he doesn't really have a quarterback. Um, he's missing offensive linemen. His first-round draft pick got hurt, you know. Week three. Yeah, yeah, week three of the season. And that's another thing, too. I think the further away we've gotten from that, people forget J.C. Horn was playing at shutdown cornerback level before he oh, got hurt. He, he know, looked like, like a third, fourth-year guy playing yeah the rookie like that was a great pick because that's the one thing i have seen people are like oh well we should have drafted rashawn slater because of how successful he's been or in the location <laughs> <I drafted him."> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's like i'm kind of okay with the fact they had horn and then tried to basically build a legion of boom 2.0 that's literally what they're trying to do with bringing gilmore in here and then trading for henderson and you already had jackson and then you had aj Bowie, and and now you have uh cj henderson and uh, Dante Jack, all these guys, you have like five, six dudes that were you could afford to lose two of them in whatever kind of combination. So to me, I'm thinking they were already thinking either Gilmore or Jackson, we're going to keep one of these guys and let the other guy go. Yep. Uh, I think CJ Henderson and JC Horn are the two cornerback starters for the future. Uh, they were very, um, they, they wanted to stress the point that they were going to draft CJ Henderson last year and got Derek Brown instead. So, like, they literally got two top 10 cornerbacks from out of the past two drafts that they wanted and rated highly that they can now play opposite sides of the field with each other with Jeremy Chen playing safety. Like, what? Like, what are we yeah. like, like, that's great. <laughs> you know, it's fantastic. So, I mean, there's a reason why the Panthers defense, pass defense, has been ranked number two pretty much all year long, and it's been because of the secondary. Yeah, and, and everyone keeps saying, you know, like, Rule makes all these terrible personnel decisions. And yes, we know that the offensive line of the quarterback play is not there yet. We understand that. But if you if you look at how their focus has been divided up since he's got here, like you just mentioned, it has been solely on let's build that defense first. So what does he do? He goes out and gets Hassan Reddick. C- turns out to be a humongous find. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be potentially one of the best pass rushers in the league over the next three to four years. Like that's, that's the rate he's playing at. And if they can keep him, that would be – Terrific for this defense. You have Brian Burns. You have C.J. Henderson. You have J.C. Horn and Derek Brown. That's three guys drafted in the first round of the last two years. And you might as well say Jeremy Chin is playing like a first-round pick through his first two years. So that's basically four oh, yeah. guys. So, I mean, Absolutely. The, the, what he has done on the side of the ball that he is focused on has been phenomenal. So why why jump to conclusions and say this guy can't evaluate talent? Clearly, he can evaluate talent when he gets Jeremy Chen in the second round. And, I mean, you can you can kind of differ on what they should have done with that first-round pick. Would it be Mac Jones? Should they have drafted Justin Fields? I don't think either of those quarterbacks would be successful on the, behind this offensive line. I just don't. I, I don't think they would be successful in this offense. So, it, it is what it is. I think Mac Jones has kind of landed in the perfect situation. Uh, you know, I've had people say spend the whole draft on offensive line. And honestly, with the way that these guys work the uh, draft day, I wouldn't be surprised if they spend five, six picks on offensive line uh, next year. Because really, when you look at the roster, where else needs the the uh, the influx of talent? You know, like the defense. Yeah, I mean, you've got 
defense seems pretty straight across the board in terms of what you've got at different all three levels. At wide receiver, you just extended Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore is going to be more than likely extended, I would imagine. He's getting near his fifth year. And uh, you just drafted uh, Terrence Marshall. You don't have a tight end, but you can grab that. Don't have a quarterback, but uh, you know you can get that somewhere along the way. And that's really it. I mean, I, I, honestly, one of the things I've said that I would like for them to do offensively that I think would be huge for not just the team, but for the fan base. I think they need to move Christian McCaffrey to slot wide receiver and almost make it like a hybrid wide receiver running back type position. So you make them, you make them the ultimate weapon. You bring them out there and he's in three wide receiver sets with more and with Anderson in the slot. That's, he basically becomes, he, he basically becomes a, a more dangerous West Welker pretty much faster, stronger, and it'll take the it'll take the the wear and tear off of him running the football twenty five times a game plus catching it ten times. Make sure he that's his specific thing first. Put him out there at slot, and then you can put him in these formations where, say, he's in slot. They have some movement uh, eye candy, as you would call it, you know, right before the snap. And next thing you know, he's back there lined up beside Cam and Pistol, and they run RPO, you know, or something like that. You know, you can do some more creative things if you don't start him off at running back and don't try to run him. 15, 20 times a game, you already owe him this money. You just paid him. It's kind of wide receiver money anyway. Put him, see what he says. Like, hey, man, we're trying to look out for your career. We could run you to death and you'd be done in three years, or we can try this and see what happens. And you're still going to get basically the same yards from scrimmage you were getting before. You're just going to have 145 yards receiving and 65 yards on the ground, you know, instead of the other way around and extend your career by eight years. Like, I, I think that's the way they should approach it. I don't know if they will approach it that way, but uh, I, I feel like there's still more there with McCaffrey because people are kind of saying, oh, he's washed up. He's done. I'm like, the dude is 25, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 25 years old. He never really got hurt till last year. And now it's just nagging things. If you see that that's the issue, Move him to a different spot where he's already proven he can do it. Like most people say he runs routes better than wide receivers anyway. Why not make him a wide receiver that plays like a running back? And I'm just like salivating over the possibilities of what they could do in that. Offense. Oh, it would be insane. One simple move. Just move him to this. I call it flanker. That's what they used to call it for us when we played Pop Warner. It's like a flanker position. This old school Green Bay Packers style he kind of lines up behind the the left or right tackle kind of sort of, and he can do a variety of things. He's kind of a wide receiver. He's kind of a running back, sort of a tight end, but he's it's a gadget guy almost. You can put him anywhere on the board and, and allow him to do what he's going to do. Who better to do that than Christian McCaffrey? So that's, that's the first thing I'm going to try to put to their attention <laughs> as we get towards the offseason. We haven't forgotten the fact that uh, the Panthers do have – uh, the Buffalo Bills this week, and we'll have a quick preview for that. But before we get to that, a quick word from our friends at Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gifts of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, 800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but they are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in bluish pink and beautiful white, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, price that they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. The 
five and eight Panthers are going to be taking on the Josh Allen led Buffalo Bills on Sunday at 1 p.m. on Fox. Bills are seven and six, uh, only three and three at home. Uh, I have no idea what the weather is supposed to be. Um, of course, Cold. in December, I know that. yeah. In Buffalo, it just says 34 degrees of the game time weather up in Orchard Park. And uh, the Buffalo is favored by 10 and a half points. Uh, points. right now, that's a lot of points for an NFL game. Uh, that's crazy, they're favored by 10 and a half points. And like I said, Josh Allen's walking around in a walking boot right now. Um, yeah, they're not sure if he's going to play, he's listed as questionable as of yesterday. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is the wide receiver that uh tweaked his leg, something happened. He's questionable as well. Star, Star Latulale, who uh, many Panther fans will recognize that name, he is questionable. He did not play last week against the Bucks. There's a lot of names on that roster a lot of people know probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's 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 Carolina South, or Carolina North, I should say, Buffalo. Between the the front office and the roster, it's just littered with dudes from, uh, from Carolina. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that so many of them are there. Uh, I don't know what's happened to this Buffalo team. Although I did, I did a um, a color cast with uh, my buddy Rod Funderburk uh, Sunday that was Bucks versus uh, the Bills. So I basically watched the entire game and called it for color cast. And it was the first time I really saw the Bills all year. They they did not run the football with a running back until like I think the third quarter or something like that. Josh Allen had over 100 yards on the ground, but they weren't even trying to hand the ball off. Like they were just throwing the ball. Some of that's because they were playing Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay has the number one ranked rushing uh, defense, but it was pretty blatant. Like they weren't even trying to uh, nobody in the backfield. It was just Josh Allen trying to toss it around and they almost pulled it off. But of course, you know, it's Tom Brady. That's not going to lose very often. Um, they Buffalo, this is a hard game to predict because I don't know if Josh Allen's going to play. Um, and I don't know what quarterback we're going to get on our end in terms of uh, what to expect. Matt Rule said that Cam Newton's going to start. Um, I would imagine with the weather being what it's going to be up in Buffalo, that they'll have a run heavy type of uh, offense, uh, well, offensive plan, I would hope going into it. Um, but other than that, uh, DJ Moore actually got injured this Sunday as well. He's listed as questionable. Uh, so you might see some more snaps for Terrence Marshall uh, this week. And then, of course, John Miller and Michael Jordan, the two guards for Carolina, are showing as questionable as well. That's as of today. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, quick thoughts on Panthers versus Bill, Skyler? Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens, especially with Josh Allen, if he's a- available to go or not. Um, I think either way – I. Even if he does play, I, I don't think that this – I could be wrong, but I don't think this is going to be a route. I think no. this is going to be a, a kind of a game that we've seen a lot of this year, a lot of tight games that the Panthers just can't do anything offensively. And let's face it, the Bills have probably the best defense in the National Football League, if not one of the best. So they're going to have a tough uphill battle to climb on that side of the ball. But if you look at how Buffalo's played over the last six games, I believe they're two and four. I believe that's it's off, off the top of my head. They're two and four, and they have two of the most embarrassing losses on on the season by any NFL team. I mean, they, they lost to the Jaguars nine to six. Okay. <laughs> nine to six. And they also lost a game to a very good team, but did it in a weird way against the Patriots, where Mac Jones threw the ball, what, three times? 
Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, if, if, if they lose those two types of games, I'm, I can't sit here and say Carolina is going to get smacked. I just – I mean, regardless of how they've played lately, I just don't think that's the case. I think this is going to be a game where Cam Newton's going to have to take care of the football, as we've seen Please. the last few weeks. It's been a problem. <laughs> if he can take care of the football and they run the ball, I say north of 40 times – which is very possible in this cold weather, I think they've got a chance to actually win this game. Because, again, you don't know if Allen's going to play. And even if he does, he's not going to be 100%. The way he was limping on Sunday looked very, very, uh, I would say, concerning. If I was mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, I, see, that's the, but see, that's the problem, Skyler. That's the, the entire problem of the season in a nutshell. Every week we get to the next opponent and it's like, we can win this football game. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like there's that. And I think that's the frustrating thing with Panthers fans. It's like either we need to completely and totally 110% suck or actually be good. Like nobody wants to be in the middle and that's where we are. Like, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I feel like they could beat Buffalo if they don't turn the ball over and just run the football and play smart. They've got the defense for it. They've got the secondary for it, to be honest. Like the Carolina secondary is one of the few secondaries I actually trust against someone like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or whoever, because they're not afraid to play man. They'll go and play man-to-man and match up against all your dudes, and they've got enough dudes to cover where a lot of places don't. So I'm not worried about the passing offenses that come in and out. It's the teams that can run the football that bother me because we can't seem to stop that yet completely. And Buffalo does not – they do not run the football. Like, they just don't run the football unless it's through Allen. And if he's dinged up, then that's going to limit what they do. I wouldn't be surprised if they go to Buffalo and win this football game. That's just kind of the year it's been. Like, they'll do just enough to stay in the playoff talk. They won't get in, but they'll do just enough <laughs> so that they're just kind of floating around there uh, through through the the next four weeks. They got to play Tampa twice and the Saints and this Buffalo <laughs> game. I mean, but just, they got to play Tampa twice. Like, I, I don't see – well – I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because Tampa hasn't looked all that great when they're not at home. So, I mean, it's I, I almost feel bad for the, the Panther fans besides myself because I know what they're going through. They're kind of looking at it like this team could be so good, but because of a couple of spots on the roster, it's like preventing them from being good. And they don't want to wait till next year to be good. They want to be good right now. Because it's not like Carolina's always good. We have a handful of good seasons in our pocket. <laughs> so like we don't wanna we don't wanna be told to wait. And I think that's kind of what's going on right now. And they are looking for scapegoats. And uh with Brady gone, uh it's really kind of shifted to Cam Newton and Matt Rule. And I'm like, Cam Newton's been here like what, three weeks? <laughs> yeah. And Matt Rule, we knew the deal with Matt Rule when he came in. So like what are we really mad at? Like, what are we mad at right right now, guys? So <sighs> haven't said all that. I have no idea who's going to win this football game on uh, Sunday. It would not surprise me if, if Carolina beat Buffalo. Uh, it would surprise me if Buffalo blew Carolina out. I haven't been blown out really by anybody uh, this year. Not blown out. Um, I don't think the this Bills team is equipped to do that. Now, if it was a month and a half ago, I'd be really concerned because Buffalo was playing really, really well. But they've kind of settled into this 500 football type stuff, and they're going. They might sneak into the playoffs now. Uh, how amazing is it that the Patriots have retaken back the AFC East, and they well, look like the, they look like the 2003 Patriots, like the way they're built. Like you just 
take a checkbook and just go right down the checklist. You know, young quarterback that doesn't really do anything flashy, but doesn't make mistakes. Check. Hard defense. Check. Run the football. Check. Good special teams. Check. Do your job. Check. Like that's like that's all they're doing. Like they're just literally doing the blueprint that got Belichick his rings to begin with. They got lost in translation when Tom Brady actually became super good and got Randy Moss and everybody else and started slinging it everywhere. This is the essence of what I wanted the Panthers to be. Like all those things that he's building right now in the Patriots with that team, that's what I wanted them to apply in Carolina. And I see elements of it, but we just we don't have the quarterback right now that can play well. I don't think we have a quarterback right now that can play a game without turning the ball over. If Cam can prove me wrong, I would love to see it, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing at the quarterback position at all. And because of that, I have no idea what they're doing completely. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a hard game to really predict. Uh, I, I know I got to do my prediction article, I believe on Friday. So hopefully by Friday, I'll know what Josh Allen's status is. <laughs> Cause if not, I, I don't know. I'm going to put IDK. I just, it, it, it's a hard one, to but I will say this: like I said, don't see this being a blowout. I, I think if you're a betting man, I would take the points plus the ten or ten and a half, whatever it is. <laughs> Play the under. It's not going to be a lot of points being scored, and who knows? Maybe, maybe next week we're talking about a win finally, and then we could be talking about, uh, you know, maybe, maybe drawing a game within five hundred. Um, against Tampa Bay at home again, like you said, they're not very good on the roads. They're as good on the roads. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they surprise us. They look really really good, and Buffalo puts up another stinker like they did against Jacksonville. But I'm so, I'm so shocked that we that we can both still be optimistic here in week uh, <laughs> 14 <laughs> of a season that's had so much go on with this roster and coaching staff and everything. Yet we can still sit here at the end of this episode and go. Yeah, they might be able to win that game. I don't see why they couldn't. <laughs> Got to have a good outlook on it. <laughs> right. Last half full here over here on Believe in Carolina Panthers. You can uh, listen to previous episodes on the Believe Podcast Network. You can follow them on uh, Twitter at Believe Podcast. You can follow my man Skyler on Twitter at Callahan underscore for the latest on Carolina Panthers uh, via Sports Illustrated. You can follow me on Twitter at Daz, D-E-Z underscore 3505 or at Tobacco Radio. Um, we'll be back next week, hopefully celebrating a, a victory Tuesday. Panthers taking on uh, the Buffalo Bills 1 o'clock p.m. on Fox. We will we'll see you next week and keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.